Right. Hello, everybody. Good morning. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I want to. So you should either fill out that, uh, uh, that form, the connect form at arisedenver.com slash connect, or you should come to our Splash Bash after the second service. In fact, you should probably just do both. Um, Splash Bash is going to be after the second service. It's going to be awesome. We have up here Connect For. That's kind of our theme for the season because people are so socially distant and um, lonely and relationships are broken apart, and we want to connect people. So um, we want you to connect with four people over the next three months, and our Splash Bash today is a great chance to meet some people so that you can connect with them outside of church. So make sure you come to that. It's going to be awesome. Um, also, if you saw this video, this VBS video, um, which was pretty awesome. I don't know if you guys knew this, but... The kids here at our VBS this summer paid for that entire VBS down in Mexico. Isn't that amazing? Uh, just the generosity of the kids and their families uh, to do that. You know, we send down a global outreach team, a GO team, every summer down to Mexico, but we couldn't this year because of some COVID issues. Um, but we were able to um, sponsor that VBS down there, which is really awesome. So I'm excited about that. So we are going to continue our Engage series uh, in week four of this series. If you miss any of these messages, you can go to risedenver.com slash media. We have the audio, the video, and the transcript of every single message in this series, so you shouldn't ever miss a single message again, right, for the rest of your life. Subscribe on YouTube and on your podcast app. Yeah, you can always get those there. Um, and, and in this Engage series today, we're going to be talking about giving because uh, I think, and this is going to sound a little strange, but I think that most of us need to be refreshed, right? I think we all want to feel refreshed. You know, I have run a few races, and one in particular, I remember running a half marathon in, in Moab, Utah. It's through the, the, the canyon there, the, the, if you've ever been there, the Colorado River, you run into the canyon, into the town, and I was just like, it's, it's, it's a hot sun there in the desert, right? I finally finished this half marathon, I get there, and when I run a lot, I might be weird, I, I don't know why, but I have like salt all over my head. Anybody else do this too? You know what I'm, I saw a few nods, know what I'm talking about. Other people are like, ugh, disgusting. It is disgusting, okay? But it's seriously like, it, it, when you run like that and you sweat so much, like it's not enough to just drink water, right? You need some vitamins and minerals in there. You need some Gatorade, right? You need even more than that, you need some protein. If I don't eat protein within like a half hour of running, I get headaches because I need to rejuvenate, right? And I'm saying that because some of us have run a marathon in life for the last 18 months, right? You know what I'm talking about? We have been pushing it. It's been hard. We've been making decisions. We've been worried about masks. There's been things that we're afraid of and worried about. And we're trying to figure out kids in school, kids at home while we're working online, trying to figure out how to work online and not lose productivity and, and see our colleagues. It's, it's hard, right? It has been a challenging 18 months. And some of us have had to deal with sickness, with COVID. Some of you are at home right now, perhaps sick with COVID. You have friends and family members that have been sick or died. This has been a grueling season for us, and I think we're ready to be refreshed, right? So this series, Engage, is really helping all of us move past this, and we're calling it Normalize a Better Life as the subtitle of this series, because only 9% of people actually want to go back to the way things were pre-pandemic. <laughs> only 9% of people. So that means we want something, but we want something better, and we've got to normalize some things in our lives, create some new habits, some new practices in our life in order to do that. So two weeks ago, we learned that one of those practices that has tremendous impact, not only according to scripture, but according to secular studies, is to worship weekly. That when we come together and worship, whether it's online or, or here in person, that it does something to our lives that's very beneficial. You should go back and listen to that message if, if you disagree with me. Like secular people study it and they're like, wow, this is incredible. It does so many good things for your life. And then last week, we talked about how we should serve somewhere. That when we serve, we're actually strengthened ourselves. There's something about volunteering that builds us up 
And today we're going to learn something that, that might seem the most contradictory on, on its face, but as we look more deeply into it, you will see how realistic it is that, that when we give generously, we actually receive so much more. And so what we're going to learn today from our one verse, you know, we're going to look at a whole bunch more, but we're, one verse that we're doing as our main scripture today is that God fills open hands. God fills open hands. When we are open-handed with our time, with our talents, with our treasures, with our money, with our stuff, when we're open-handed with those things and, and we give them away when we're generous, we actually get filled up more than we give away. We're going to see this is a really interesting passage and what we're going to see here from the scriptures. So if you have a Bible, our main verse today is Proverbs eleven twenty five. So go ahead and get there. If you're using the YouVersion Bible app, you can go find our event, Arise Church Denver, and you can take notes. We have all the scriptures we're going to look at there. Um, get your Bible, get your smartphone, whatever it is, to Proverbs eleven twenty five. So Proverbs eleven twenty five says this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I think this verse is so good that we should memorize it, don't you think? Okay, let's say it together. A generous person. Just say what I'm saying. I'm going to teach you guys how to memorize this, Greg. A generous person. A generous person will prosper. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes. Okay, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Okay, let's take the verse off the screen. Let's take the verse off the screen. Can we do that? Okay. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You guys just memorized the verse right there. Proud of you guys. Good job. Good. Yeah, give yourselves a hand. This verse is so good and so short, and it's so powerful. It really shows us how God's economy works. It's not about supply and demand. It's actually about when we give, when we're generous, we'll prosper. That word prosper here means like get fat, okay? It doesn't mean just like you'll have enough, but more than enough. And what's really interesting, I want you to look at this word refreshed here. This, this word refresh, um, it occurs twice right in that second line. Do you see that? And that is, um, let me make sure I pronounce this right. I know I studied Hebrew, but it's been a little while. Okay, so it's the Hebrew word ravah. Can you guys say ravah? Ravah. And that word ravah here, it's refreshes and refreshed, it is a term that really means filled. It means satisfied or satiated. It's a term that when the, the, there's a huge outpouring of rain and the ground is drenched, it's ravah. It's when you've eaten so much that you're completely full and satisfied. It's a word that means all sorts of things like that. So, so satisfied or filled up would be, I think, a, a pretty good translation of this verse. So when we're talking about how we want to be refreshed, we want to be rejuvenated, we want to be filled up ourselves, I think this verse kind of shows us how to do it. And, and what does it tell us to do? Refresh others. Interesting, right? Most of us are like, when am I going to get rejuvenated? I need to go on a vacation. And then you go on a vacation, you get home, and you need a vacation from the vacation, right? Yeah, because you're exhausted. You've been, oh my gosh, it's crazy. And then you try to get back into the swing of things, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is worse than before I left. I'm exhausted. You're like, okay, and now I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go treat myself, and then you feel worse afterwards, right? Spent too much money. I ate too much food, right? Don't we do this? 
When we're just looking after ourselves, it's not very refreshing, in fact. However, when we start to look, how can I refresh others, it in turn refreshes us. That's what this scripture is telling us. And the, the generosity here, I, I believe, is about everything in our life. In fact, we have a core value here at our church called generous living. Okay, generous living. We don't just mean with your money, but with everything you are. Are you generous in the way you live? With your time, your talents, and your treasures. So we say here that we gladly give our time, talents, and treasures to serve God and one another. And when we do that, what we're seeing here is that we're actually refreshed ourselves. We're actually refreshed ourselves that we get so much more in return than what we give. And that's why we need to learn how to reva others, right? So that we could be revaud. Okay, that's not proper Hebrew grammar, but you guys get it, right? So I read a book earlier this year called The Giver and the Gift, and I just started reading it. It was about generosity and it was co-written by, by one guy who was a, I mean, uh, one guy who um, ran a nonprofit, and it was also by, written by a philanthropist. So they're saying how they work together, you know, the giver and, and the gift. And this philanthropist, I didn't even realize it until I started reading it, was a guy by the name of David Weekly. You ever heard of him? Who in here lives in a David Weekly home? Anybody? We got, we got one over here. Yeah, David Weekly, if you go around, some of the homes in Central Park or out in Green Valley Ranch are David Weekly homes. And I knew nothing about the dude, right? Some guy in Texas, turns out. But as I read it, he started sharing his story because David Weekly is a follower of Jesus. And he has built the, the largest um, private um, home-building company in the entire country. It's like, oh, that's pretty impressive. But then he talked about some of his story. So David Weekly started his company when he was 23 years old. And it boomed. Boomed in the late 70s, early 80s. He was going great. He was at one point building 300 homes a year with a small company making millions of dollars. He bought his BMW. He had broken ground to start building he and his wife's dream home that was 10,000 square feet in one of the best neighborhoods in Houston. Things were going great. But then in the mid-80s, the housing market crashed. It tanked. He lost almost everything. He had to sell his BMW. He had to sell his home. He lost everything and barely was scraping by every year just to survive and make his company make it through there. He said that he was driving one day and he saw that there was a car in front of him and on the bumper sticker, it said, Lord, if you give me another boom, I promise I'll do it right next time. And he saw that and he's like, that's gonna be my prayer. He said, God, give me another boom and I'm gonna do it right next time. And he started praying that, I'll do it right. And then he made a commitment. He made a commitment not just to be, because he had been a Christian before and he said, you know, I thought I earned my success by my hard work and my smarts. He's like, but I, but I realized I had lost everything by my smarts. So he said this, his commitment was to give away 50% of his income from then on and 50% of his time. That's tough, 50% of his time. He said, I'm going to give away 50% of my income and 50% of my time as long as I can. And he started doing it. And, and of course, a, a business, that, as the housing market started to, to grow again in the 90s, he and his business grew. He had to hire a COO who eventually became the CEO so that he could give 50% of his time. So what he started doing was giving away money, a lot of money, 50% of his income. And then he would work with those organizations and coach them as a CEO knowing how to build companies. So he would take little nonprofits and, and teach them how to grow and expand and reach people all over the world through microloans, and through helping people with water and food all over the world. 
and working with ministries, and he realized that he could do it. And this is one of the coolest things he said here at the end of the book. He said this, when I give freely of my time, talent, and resources, I feel an awesome joy. Not only is his company right now the biggest private home builder in the entire country, that he has made a lot more money since then, and his company is rated one of the best places to work in the state of Texas, on top of that, he feels an awesome joy as he does it. That's pretty cool, right? I think that shows how this works. See, a lot of us think that when we see someone like David Weekly, when we see generous people and we're like, wow, they're giving so much money, they're giving a million dollars over here, uh, you know, wow, that's so amazing, they got a wing named after them over here. It's because they're rich that they can do that. But perhaps we're thinking about this backwards. Perhaps the reason why they are rich and can give more is because they chose to give. Not always. But I think in God's economy, he's waiting for us to give. Some of us are like, once I make a certain amount of money, then I'll start giving. Once I reach a certain level, then I'll start tithing. Once the kids are out of the home. You know, we have these things. After this time, then I'll be generous. But maybe we need to reverse it and say, maybe I should be generous now. And then watch to see, will God bless me and prosper me in these things? Now, some of you are like, mm, Matt, I don't know. You're kind of getting a little bit out there. But let me just look at some of these statistics because he, he talks about the awesome joy of giving. And, and there's been a lot of studies on giving and generosity. There was one out of Harvard in 2008. And this study tracked people and looked at how much they gave and, and where they gave and what they found. And this is the cool thing in the study, that people who give away money, who are generous with their time, talents, and treasures, not, not just money, but their time as well when they volunteer, that they have lower cortisol levels. You know what cortisol is? causes stress and anxiety. Okay, some of you are like, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed. Maybe you should try giving. Okay? Studies have found that people who give more have lower levels of cortisol. There was another study out of the University of Buffalo that found that people who give generously live longer. Christian Smith and um, Hillary Davidson, two professors out of Notre Dame, wrote a book called The Paradox of Generosity. And they studied all of these things as sociologists. And what they found was that those who give are much more likely to have excellent health, to report being very happy. They have less depression and less instances of mental illness. Okay, these studies aren't even looking at the Bible, okay? Scripture says if you refresh others, you'll be refreshed. But this is telling us that something happens in our lives when we're willing to give. Study after study. And yet what they have found is that 85% of people in our nation give less than 2% of their income away. 85% give less than 2%. And half of those people give nothing away. No wonder why we're so angry and upset and unhappy and dying early, right? <laughs> because this one thing that's now psychologically proven to refresh you and make your life better People are choosing not to do it. They're holding on too tightly, close-fisted, right, with the things they have. And, and that's why I'm saying from this scripture, and, and we're going to look at all a bunch of scriptures here in just a second. From the scripture, we learn that God fills open hands, not closed hand. If you have a closed hand and you're holding on tightly to things, unwilling to let things go, and you're saying, I've got to hold on to this. I don't have enough. I don't know if I'll have enough. What, what, in case, what if something happens? I just need to keep this in case. When we do that, God might not fill our hands. See, God fills open hands. So we've got to learn to let go. We've got to learn to let go. Andrew Carnegie, of course, was one of like the first like 
super wealthy people in our nation, right? He, he was just a businessman, made a ton of money, and, and he became a philanthropist and started giving away his money. Um, and, and he gave a lot of money every year to the New York Philharmonic, and they came to him one year, and, and they said, would you please write us a check for $60,000? We need a grant. And at the time, that, that's a lot of money, okay, just in case you guys didn't know that, okay? It was a lot of money back then. 60000 it's a lot of money today, right? $60,000, and he's like, ah, just getting a little annoyed about this, okay? Every year, he's got to fund this Philharmonic, right? Everybody else gets to benefit, and he said, why don't you go find some other people? Other people want to give, right? So if you go find somebody or a group of people that can give $30,000, I will give the second $30,000. You come back to me. So this fundraiser for the New York Philharmonic leaves, and the next day he comes back in, and he says, I got the $30,000 right here, so will you write that check? And Andrew Carnegie's like, well, that was, that was quick, but uh, okay, I'll, I'll write the check. And he said, you know, I'm just curious, who wrote the check for the other half of the money? And, and the man replied, it was Mrs. Carnegie. <laughs> you know, we, we have to learn to not have closed hands, right? We've got to have the open hands. God has given us so much. How can we hold on to it as if it was ours to begin with? If we brought it all upon ourselves, our success, our earning, our money, our, our savings account, all of it, we've got to hold on to it. God is saying, open your hands. Open your hands, because God fills open hands. Now, I know that some of you are already struggling with this. You're like, I don't know, is this, this right theologically? Like, where, where, are, are, where is it? Okay, so this is what we're going to talk about. Let me tell you, there are two errors when it comes to our theology of money. On, on one end is prosperity theology. If you've ever heard of prosperity theology or prosperity preachers, it is an error. It's not taught in the Bible. These are the people who will preach that if you give your money to me, they'll say that, right? God will bless you. If you give me $100, God will give you 200 And if you, um, you know, fund my private jet, it's my second private jet, it's only $80 million. If you fund that, God will bless you. I wish I were making up that story, okay? But that's a true story. It's reading the news. That's prosperity theology. It is running rampant around the globe as people take advantage of people in poverty. Okay, it is a lie. It's not true. God does not promise us like an equal amount of riches if we give away money. Okay, that's prosperity theology. It's an error on this side. But there's also a second error, and it, I would call it poverty theology. And poverty theology is that Jesus was homeless. You should be homeless too, and they make you feel guilty for having anything. Okay, and and there's nothing good that God promises you in this life. It's only after you die. Maybe things will get better then. That's poverty theology, and it's just as wrong because in the scriptures there are promise after promise after promise after promise after promise after promise related to our generosity. In fact, Jonathan Edwards, the great American theologian, said this. If we have this quote from Jonathan Edwards, if I have a slide person, <laughs> Jonathan Edwards says, There is scarcely any duty spoken of throughout the Bible that has so many promises of reward as this whether for this world or the world to come. And do you know what he's talking about? Generosity. This guy studied the Bible backwards and forwards. He's considered the greatest theologian America has ever seen. And he's like, look at the Bible. It's generosity, generosity, and it's promises and promises of reward. So I want to show you eight things from the scriptures you get when you give. We're just going to look at the scripture, okay? We're going to see what the Bible actually says. Eight things you get when you give. So what are the eight things that the Bible talks about? And I looked at tons of scripture this week, and I boiled it down to these eight for you guys. You can thank me later. Okay. So eight things you get when you give. One, abundant provision. Abundant provision. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 8 says, Each of you should give 
And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. God has provision for you. It might be food and clothing and nothing else, but he can provide what you need. And abundantly, it says. Okay, so this is more than you need. This is, you're going to have what you need plus. This is a promise from God that we can claim. In every moment of my life, until I die, until the Lord takes me, I will have what I need. Okay, the second thing, God's presence. This is what it says in Malachi. God says, return to me, then I will return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how can we return? And God responds, you steal from me when you do not bring me a tenth, a tithe. God is saying, I'm not going to be with you. My presence is not going to be with me because you're robbing me of giving me what I deserve. I'm only asking for a tenth. I gave you everything. I will return to you. Your, God's presence will be with you with generosity. This is a promise from the scriptures. So let's look at another one. More blessings. Remember that our Lord Jesus said, Paul reports, more blessings come from giving than from receiving. It's more blessed to give than to receive. What are all the blessings? I don't know, but there's going to be more of them if you give. Four, personal honor. It says in the Psalms, they share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. You'll gain influence. You will be able to honor other people when you give, and people will honor you. Five, help later. Yes, help later. Okay. It says right now, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. There's something about finding help later by helping those in need right now. Interesting, right? Six, your enjoyment. Yeah, a lot of people miss this one. This is good. Your enjoyment. Teach those, Paul says to Timothy, who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. God wants us to enjoy things. Enjoyment, pleasure, happiness when we give. There's something amazing when you give, seeing someone smile. When they give you a hug, you know, it fills you so much more. This week we got to cut a big check from our church for a church planter that's starting out here next month. And it was so cool that I, sorry guys, I got to make the phone call and talk with this guy and he thanked me. We helped another family this week who, who was in need, who, who's trying to get on their feet, and things have been going good, and then they had kind of a setback, and we were able to help them financially because you guys have given to our benevolence fund. And it is amazing to see the joy in people's lives, and we receive an enjoyment too through that. We can give, and it's for our enjoyment. Let's look at seven. Number seven, lives transformed. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. When we give generously, it impacts eternal destinies. We can change people from being like, wow, I thought Christians were mean, hate-filled hypocrites. Now I know that they, they're at least generous hypocrites, right? Changing some hearts, and maybe one day they will glorify their Father in heaven, become a follower of Jesus. We can see lives transformed as we give. And number eight, eternal rewards. These are probably the best of all the bunch. <laughs> but it says, uh, tell them to use their money to do good, Paul writes. They should give happily to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. 
continued on the next page. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. Okay? Stock market may crash, eternity won't, okay? There are eternal rewards. Jesus promises that. There will be eternal rewards for those who give generously now. These are the eight scriptures, and, and I could give you dozens more, but I've really tried to summarize it with these eight different ways, these eight things you get when you give. See, there's, there's this weird lie going around, and it comes from Immanuel, Immanuel Kant, if you want to trace it back, that, that you have to do things 100% selflessly or else you're just selfish. But you saw these scriptures, so there's actually promises that we look, should look for in ourselves as we give to others. Proverbs 11.25 says, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. If you want to be refreshed, if you want to receive some of these good things from God, give and give generously. And if you're wondering, well, well Matt, I haven't been repaid for this. I, I gave to that person and they hate me now. Okay, I, I gave a ton of money over here and that church was just a mess and closed its door. Why did I give so much money to that church? I, we all have things like that. Or we have things in our life where you know, we're like, well, I, I still feel like I'm not rich. I'm not David Weekly, right? I don't have the uh, Ferrari that I drove behind this morning on my way to church. Ferrari pulled into King Supers, and I'm like, that's a brand new 300,000 vehicle, right? I don't have that, right? Some of you are like, my home doesn't cost that much, right? And, and, and we're like, well, but don't I get those things? Well, here's the reality is that none of these things are like, here's the exact return that you will get in, in this life. But these are promises through this life and the next. So, so we're not talking poverty theology. We're not talking prosperity theology. We're talking about biblical theology, right? There are blessings in this life and the one to come to those who are generous. And we know that we won't get everything repaid exactly like we want it because Jesus didn't. See, God so loved us that he gave, right? He was the most generous person ever. He gave his own son. He came down, and Jesus, living among us, gave himself. He served people. He loved people. He performed miracles. When he was exhausted and needed to be refreshed, people crowded him and followed him onto the other side of the lake, and he had to heal a whole bunch of people and serve them and feed them, and he did it all generously. And yet he went to the cross and gave his blood. He didn't have a crown but a, but a crown of thorns. And if Jesus is up there on the cross giving everything, not receiving the rich benefits that he, 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 we, we expect, right? Where's his goodness that he should get? But if Jesus did that and then died and was laid in the tomb and on the third day rose from the dead and then ascended into heaven 40 days later where he is seated on a throne. See, Jesus teaches us that, yes, there will be times where we don't get the exact blessing we want in this life, that we don't get rich, but Jesus proves to us by his resurrection from the dead and ascension to heaven that there are eternal rewards for us. Okay? So that's why we have this biblical theology here. And we say it's worth it to refresh others. Jesus knew it was worth it. So that's why we need to give generously. Now I know for some of you this is really hard. If you're almost half of our nation, you don't give anything. Christians are better, don't worry. But not much. Percentage-wise, Christians give less today than Christians did in the Great Depression. we got a lot of work to do. But let me tell you this. You've got to start somewhere. And I'm telling you this as someone who really struggled to start giving. I'm going to be honest with you guys. 
I was discipling a guy in college. I had grown a whole bunch of my faith. I had memorized a whole bunch of scriptures. I had learned all sorts of theology, and I was meeting with a guy who was a year behind me in college, and I was teaching him every week. I was discipling him, helping him follow Jesus. And one day he said, Matt, what about tithing? Uh, I can teach you about it. But at that point, I gave nothing. I was like, I'm a college student. I'm, I'm broke all the time. I'm eating like tortillas with hot dogs and cheese. You guys eating those? That was like every day for me, right? A little American cheese and a hot dog and a tortilla, right? The college meal, okay? That, that's what I ate like every day. I was broke. I, even though I worked, like I, I needed to pay rent, right? I needed to, so I wasn't giving anything, not a dime. And this younger guy said, well, Matt, you should really be giving. I was like, I know, I know. I said, how about next week? you come back and you teach me about giving. And he did. He came back, he had some scriptures for me, and I realized, wow, I am not following Jesus like I should when it comes to my generosity because I had a closed hand. And it took me a while. I wish I could say that that day I became a tither and I've been a tither ever since. Okay? It took me a little while to get the ball rolling. But Melissa and I have made the commitment, you know, since we've been married, we've been tithing. And we, we try to increase that. And we try to give even to other organizations. And we're certainly not perfect. Some of you are like, I give way more than you, Matt. I'm sure you do, okay? Good, praise God. But the point is, you have to start somewhere and you have to take some steps if you ever want to become a generous person. And generous people, as the scriptures told us today, will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed because God fills open hands. So it's time to maybe lose, loosen your grip let go and take a step of faith because that's what it is, right? It's a step of faith. I'm trusting God that he will refresh me as I refresh others. So I want to encourage you to take that step of faith. Now, I think I shared this story a few years ago, but, but it's so good I wanted to share it again. Um, it's from a pastor. He's a pastor now named Darren Whitehead, and he talks about when he was in his early 20s, he was working at a radio program, a Christian radio program, he was making like no money, but they gave him a company car, which was awesome. So he's like, okay, it, because I have the company car, I'm going to sell my own car and then I can have some more money, right? That, that's a brilliant move. Okay. That's like Dave Ramsey right there. Okay. You got the company car. You don't need your own car. So he put it up uh, on the classifieds because that's what you used to do. I don't know if you remember those things. Um, on the classifieds, he, he, he was trying to sell his car and week after week went by and nothing, no interest, couldn't sell his vehicle. So he prayed to God one day. He said, God, please help me sell my car. And he heard God's voice hit him. And what are you going to do with it? And Darren was like, well, I'm going to spend it, right? That's what we do. We get money and we spend money. We get more money, we spend more money, right? He's like, I'm going to spend it. And then he felt God speak to him and said, no, no, no. You need to be generous. And he remembered at that moment a guy that he worked with, a coworker who had a few young kids and his wife had some health issues, was really struggling financially. And he said, okay, God, if you sell my car, I will give, and a number popped into his head. And he said it was like two, three times bigger than any amount he'd ever given in his life. He's like, where did that come from? He said, but God, I'll give that if you help me sell my car. The very next day, the car sold, right? So he goes to the bank, cashes the check, gets a whole wad of cash, puts it in an envelope, waits till the middle of the night and drives over, parks a little bit away and he kind of sneaks up to this neighbor's mailbox and puts the envelope in and scurries back to his car. The next day when he comes into the office, there's a whole crowd of people 
around this coworker. He said, Darren, come over here. I gotta show you this. And had the whole envelope filled with cash. And the guy said, God gave me this money. And Darren was thinking, no, no, he didn't. No, he... And then he realized that he had gotten to take part in a miracle because he had open hands. So I want to encourage you guys. God fills open hands. And some of you guys, you're, you're waiting. You're ready. You want to be refreshed. You're, you're thinking, okay, when, when is it going to be my turn? When am I going to get my blessings, God? But the reality is you've been clinging to your money and your stuff and your time so tightly as if like a strong wind would just blow it out. What God is telling us today is that he fills open hands. It's time to be generous and to give. So I want to encourage you to take your step of faith today. As, as we have the, the band come up right now, I want you to think and pray about what your next step is. I want to give you a, a few steps because everybody needs to take a step today. That's what we're about here, helping people follow Jesus. So what's your next step in following Jesus? For some of you, if you're in that half of our nation that has never given, you need to give, okay? Or, or doesn't give regularly, okay? You need to give. And we have something here called the Benevolence Fund. Our Benevolence Fund, 100% comes in, 100% goes out. We don't keep a dime of our Benevolence Fund. We're allowed to bless a ton of people, and we have given away more in the last year and a half than we had in the four years previously. Okay, We've, we've given away a ton lately with this Benevolence Fund. So if you're like here and you're like, I don't, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus, <laughs> I don't know about this church, you can give to our Benevolence Fund. If you don't want to give, give somewhere else too, I don't care. But I want you to give a gift today. Ask God what amount and give that, okay? And, and you can ask your spouse if you need to talk with her and whoever has the higher amount, give that one, okay? <laughs> I want you to give something today. So that's maybe a first step is to just give something. The Benevolence Fund, it will go to someone in need. If, if you've already done that, you're like, well, I've already given some. Maybe your step here in our church is we have something called the generosity team. And we encourage people to become regular givers. That generosity becomes part of their life that they can experience the refreshing of God regularly in their life. So we encourage on a generosity team to give $25 a week or $100 a month. It's a pretty uh, easy step that I think we all can take. So join our generosity team. That's the second step. A third step is to become a tither. And tithe means tenth. You're taking a percentage of your income and you're saying, God, I trust you with this. Some of you need to make that commitment now. Okay, to, to, to become a tither in our church. And some of you, you've already done that. You're like, I've been tithing for years. You need to take the next step with a major gift of generosity. Maybe it's to increase that percentage. Maybe it's just a one-time gift. If you want, we only owe $14,000 on our roof. That's pretty amazing, right? You guys have been generous. We've been talking about it. We, we, you know, our roof had structural damage. We had to fix it immediately, so we had to take out a line of credit. It was almost a quarter million dollars, and right now we only owe $14,000. I really would love to pay this off before we start our next fiscal year, October 1st, Okay. We fixed the roof so nobody's gonna die in this building. Praise God. But we still owe $14,000. So maybe you could wipe that off single-handedly. Maybe you need to write that check or, or maybe you need to write a check for 500 or 1,000 today because that's your step too, above and beyond. It's an offering to the Lord. So I want you to take a moment. We're, we're gonna have the band play for a second, just silently. And I want you, with you and God, it's between you and God, decide what you wanna give and give generously because God fills open hands. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you direct our hearts to be more generous. Lord God, we need a refreshing. It's been an exhausting year and a half. For some of us, it goes back even longer than that. Lord God, so I pray that you would encourage us, challenge us, 
in this moment to open up our hands, to stop clinging to the things we have and to give generously. Put it on our hearts, Lord, how much we should give in this moment. Amen. And if you want to give right now, you can go to risedenver.com give. And there's wooden boxes. There's one on this door, two on these doors going out that you can drop off some cash or a check. I encourage you to give right now. Lord God, I pray that you would make us more generous. That we would reflect your heart you gave your own son and refresh us because we need it Lord God help us respond to you and worship through our giving and through our singing amen would you please stand as we sing together Here's, here's an old song, but I, I think you guys know it. And Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Let's sing that again. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Lord God, we come before you. You gave it all. So we're opening up our hands. Fill us again. Refresh us. Amen. Amen.